Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome in to a new edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you. We are into mid-February and we are into another Penn State coaching search. Tim Banks following his fifth season as safeties coach with the Nittany Lions, accepting a big payday, a big opportunity as defensive coordinator with the Tennessee Volunteers. That has already been announced. Things work quickly there. News surfacing Monday morning. By the end of Monday, uh, James Franklin acknowledging it. And the Tennessee uh, Univ- Tennessee's athletic department putting out a, an announcement as well. So that has been done, uh, Sean. I mean, we, we had the Tyler Bowen thing where it took a little bit time to get from the initial reporting that you did to the point where it was acknowledged by James Franklin, acknowledged by the Jacksonville Jaguars. This one much more timely, and it sounds like an opportunity that Tim Banks simply could not turn up. Well, if you followed the Tennessee defensive coordinator search, it was a long one and it was not, not a pretty one. I mean, a lot of reports of guys, uh, NFL guys, college guys, and Gal Washington from Ohio State was in there. A couple other names were, were surfaced through, through, um, you know, our, our guys at, at the Tennessee site. And it kind of, uh, it kind of came up quick for Tim Banks. It, it's really interesting because we had been talking about Tim Banks potentially going to Michigan for some time. And then that staff, uh, sort of shuffled around and, and Harbaugh took care of some, some other pieces and and Tim Banks was kind of left out there and now all of a sudden he pops up at Tennessee. I will say this man 1.4 million dollars a year over three years. Tim Banks got paid and that's awesome for him. I mean he's always been really nice to us. Uh, I, I will admit I'm a little bit surprised um, you know given what uh, given, given that Tennessee tried to hire a Penn State defensive coordinator just a couple of years ago didn't really work out that well so they're going to go that route again. I know it's a different AD different head coach all that kind of stuff but man uh, I will say I'm surprised it's just a that's a big jump right there going from safety's coach and he's got the co-defensive coordinator tag at Penn State, but at the same time, we talk about those titles all the time. Sometimes they mean something, sometimes they don't. To to, to go full blown defensive coordinator, he's done it in Illinois. He's been a, a defensive assistant in Cincinnati. Um, yeah, that's a that was a surprise to see him go, you know, sh- sort of to the moon that quickly. So uh, good for Tim Banks. Uh, you know, best of luck to him at Tennessee. Leaves a uh, a big opening at not not an advantageous time in the calendar for filling a spot for for uh, of of this magnitude. But at the same time, Penn State's an attractive place to coach. I think there's going to be some. Uh, some pretty good candidates lined up for this one. Franklin uh, previously spent time with Tim Banks back at Maryland uh, when when Franklin was an assistant, and, and uh, young, much younger Tim Banks was was uh, assisting as well. Um, obviously reunited in 2016. Uh, Tim Banks uh, coming over uh, from the Illinois staff back then, and Sean, you look at him moving on to Tennessee, and we do wish him well. That that is a, a tremendous pay raise as well, and it's 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 a tricky situation down there in Knoxville with with what they're trying to move on from. You wonder what that's going to mean for them moving forward. But again, sounds like the kind of career opportunity, financial opportunity that you just don't turn your nose at. Uh, Tim Banks is the guy there uh, for the volunteers. And here at Penn State, three times now in the past year, on uh, you're looking at February coaching searches. Last year was Sean Spencer when the New York Giants comes come calling. This year, again, the NFL, um, you know, you got Jacksonville making the move with Tyler Bowen. He leaves just a couple weeks ago. And now here, because of the the awkward timing of Tennessee's coaching change and you know, what happened down there, and 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 now Tim Banks leaving middle of February, 
know, at this stage, we're what uh, a full week, two full weeks past the national signing day. Um, I guess it's not terrible timing from a recruiting standpoint. But it makes the dynamics of any kind of coaching search, and I know you're kind of constructing uh, a board of candidates to, to get up on the site for our VIP subscribers, but it makes that much more murky than if you're doing it in a traditional period, late December, mid-January. This is kind of a, a difficult spot. Well, like anything else, I think there's disadvantages to it as you kind of laid out there in terms of like everybody's staff is pretty well set. And usually it's the NFL that gobbles these guys up at this time during the calendar. Um, but on the other hand, I think you, you might ha- actually have a clearer pool of, of guys to look at. I know that we've, we've had a few guys pop up on the site that you know, these are obvious, like, okay, I can see him definitely being a candidate. I can see him definitely getting the job. You you know what you're looking to fill here. And, you know, let's be honest here, given where we're at in the 2021 calendar with no visits, uh, not a ton of like personable recruiting time or anything like that, you've got some time to carry this out. On top of that, I think Penn State's got a little bit of money to work with. Uh, Banks held that co-defensive coordinator tag. So which with, with it becomes or with it comes some sort of salary increase. So I think they've got some time. They've got some money. I, I think they've got you know, it, it's lining up to be a productive hire. Now you got to, you know, sort of hit on the things that you've lost in the last two coaches that have departed. You've lost, um, you know, certainly recruiting ties in, in, in certain areas of the country. Tyler Bowen, well-respected in the DMV. Tim Banks even, you know, got into DC and some of that DMV area as well. But you're, you're kind of just giving up Detroit right now. And that is, you know, I think there's there's a couple different ways to look at it. Obviously, a great run in 2021. Tim Banks did a phenomenal job recruiting those guys, uh, you know, from uh, from that area, his, you know, native city and everything like that. Um, what's interesting to me about that is even if Tim Banks stays, I think Michigan's done a really good job in establishing what they're trying to do, especially closer to home. They hired Ron Bellamy from West Bloomfield, the the, the head coach of guys like Lance Dixon uh, and Enzo Jennings. Who, and, and I think they're probably in line to sort of secure the home base a little bit more this year. I don't know if that's, you know, it never, it never plays out exactly like that, but I would think going into the 2022 cycle, as well as Michigan finished and the moves that they had made there, they're in position to sort of they would win those battles this year, I would think. Um, now, would would Penn State have sniped a guy from there? This is very possible, but you know, losing Tim Banks in this cycle in Detroit probably doesn't hurt as much as you would think. To me, the 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 focus is, excuse me, back around DC and the DMV. I mean, you lost Bowen. Banks was in there as we mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, that's a that's a big hole right there. You know you're going to probably send Jaywan Sider in to to try and uh, stop the bleeding a little bit. But you I think got to find a guy that's got connections in there. You got to find a guy that's uh you know can really be uh, a presence in that area. And there's not a ton of them. I mean you you look at the guys that have come up. I mean Loxley was one of those guys. James Franklin was one of those guys. Larry Johnson one of those guys. Um, you know those guys are big big time coaches. But you know they really got to. Uh, uh, you know, build up their reputation by recruiting that area. I still think that, that can that can happen for some younger guys, but it, you know, the trust is a crazy thing. It takes a while to break into that. So, to me, when I'm talking about uh, putting aside recruiting, or excuse me, putting aside uh, coaching up safeties, and obviously that's going to be important experience, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you got to have a guy that can go in and, and resonate in that area because right now, that's a to me, that's a big gaping hole in Penn State's recruiting map and the internal promotion of a young up and coming. Coaching talent like Ty Howell, that didn't really, you know, bind you from a financial standpoint as far as we would understand. And, and as you said, there was money allocated there for Tim Banks. So have to imagine James Franklin aiming high here. As you said, you've got to get the DMV area under control. You've got to maintain your spot as a contender down there um, on a consistent basis. Detroit, yeah, it, it, it always feels like the pendulum is swinging in Detroit. Um, just, just only covering that for, for a decade myself, it just feels like no one ever gets outright control of that area. Michigan has some years, then they fall off. Michigan State had some strong runs there. Of course, Penn State, four guys signed out of that group. I mean, that's 25% of your 2021 class is from the Detroit area. And Jalen Reed, safety, of course, uh, going to the same high school as Tim Banks, Martin Luther King High School. So uh, without Banks there, and as you said, with Michigan building up their ammo, you are not expecting a duplicate performance, and and but boy, the timing of this! Can you imagine if Tim Banks had some kind of knock on his door that he had to answer? 
back before that early signing period and what that could have kind of done, maybe put you in a little bit of disarray with, with some of those relationships down the wire. Now, of course, we're two months removed from that. So, And, and you've got some of these guys already on campus. The King Twins are here already. Um, Jalen Reed, Jamari Budden upcoming in, in the months ahead. But looking at, uh, at, this, at this group right now that you have uh, in the defensive room, Sean, or in the defensive group, Brent Pry has been on board with you since day one for James Franklin. He's been here since 2014. Uh, same goes with Terry Smith. He's a year one assistant. Those are the only two coaches now left from the Big Ten title run who were position coaches back in 2016. That was year one for Tim Banks with this program. Now that he's moved on, Pry Smith are, are, are the mainstays in that defensive group. You replaced uh, a former mainstay last year in Sean Spencer. And with Tim Banks in that safety spot, we're going to get into the room in a moment, but how would you overall assess the safety play that we saw during his five-year run? Because obviously your eyes have been on this program predating Tim Banks' arrival. You saw safeties before. We're going to see what they look like after. How do you think, recruiting aside, the development has been at that spot? It's been very much up and down. I don't think there's any way around it. I mean, we, we always talk about this defense building up from the middle, and, and it always seemed that you'd either have – well, first off, you had Marcus Allen for a few years. Um, obviously, having a guy that can be a three-and-a-half, four-year starter for you is going to you know make that room better just kind of with his presence. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's really been up and down. and they've, they've had some you know some key developments with guys like Malik Golden and uh, you know Troy Apke. And, you know, it's just been one of those things where you look and it's – you're never really blown away by safety. Um, but – you know, you never, I don't know that that's always the issue. I look back to 2020 and I, I was really critical of that safety play in 2020. I still, you know, feel that, or excuse me, 2019, um, and still feel that way, the way that they got picked apart, especially, you know, you remember in the Cotton Bowl when they threw for a thousand yards or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, safety play was not, uh, not at the top this year. Um, you know, I thought that the, the true safety play, Jaquan Brisker and Lamont Wade, when they were both asked to play back and play actual safety positions, they were okay. Okay, Brisker certainly um, came on strong at the end of the year, thought he had a good year, um, you know, at least finished up in, in a good year. So I, I don't know what I, what we can pin on that. It's, it has it certainly hasn't been a position of strength. They've had a couple of guys that have come in and, you know, played fairly well at times, but it's never been the consistent uh, uh, production factory that you would like it to be back there. And I know, you know, safety is a tough spot to play. Defensive back is, has just gotten tougher and tougher over the last 10 or 15 years. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it hasn't been a, a point of consistency. There have been some guys that have had some high points, some low points. Uh, Brisker, obviously, coming back this year is a you know a very big boost to that secondary and that, that defense overall. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not one of those things that you look at and say, okay, Tim Banks is going to Tennessee because you know he did a heck of a job producing these stars at safety at, at Penn State. It just hasn't been the case. I, you know, I think a lot, a lot of Tim Banks is as a, as a coach, as a guy. Um, but yeah, just looking at that's probably why I mentioned earlier that I was a little bit surprised that Tennessee would go for it because you look at the resume and it just doesn't scream like big time promotion. Yeah, and, and I think you look at that 2020 tandem of Lamont Wade and Jaquan Brisker, I'm with you. When they were playing that safety position, it was a step forward significantly from what was on the field in 2019 and, and how that position was handled. Uh, you know, Right before the season, Banks called Lamont Wade the ultimate nickel, and that's one of those statements that we heard in the preseason that ends up putting egg on your face pretty quickly as the as the 2020 campaign gets underway. But so it was it was Lamont Wade was the ultimate nickel and uh and Jake it was, Juan Brisker uh, was going to be the household name from week yeah. one. Um, it did not work out as well as as well as well as they had planned. Now by the end of the season, Jaquan Brisker, you know, certainly did uh you know kind of put his put his brand out there and and you know week one the reason people knew him was because he got posterized a bit. So those two did not those two statements didn't mesh well. But in that safety room last year in that starting lineup you had two guys that that Tim Banks did not recruit out of high school and that's going to be the key here now is the development of some of those guys who came into your program 18 years old to play safety. Lamont Wade spent his, his, his first couple of years at cornerback. Um, and, and then obviously we saw Jaquan Brisker spend his first couple college years at Lackawanna College, become an All-American at the junior college level. So he had some experience there coming in. To me, the question in this room now is you've got another junior college guy that you very, may, may, very well may have a Lackawanna tandem there. If Jair Brown can go out and impress whoever's coaching up the safeties this year during a spring camp that is rapidly approaching and into the summer. Uh, you know, Brown, we saw occasionally on the football field last year, some good, some bad. 
a lot of success at Lackawanna, a, a lot of trust, I think, in place with Jaquan Brisker. And we've seen in the past when there's a lack of trust between your starting safeties, that is a major issue for your defense at, at large. Um, but Jonathan Sutherland, you know, a guy who's been on campus for four years now, uh, a redshirt junior still, uh, a special teams captain. Is he the guy who's equipped to break through as a starter? Tyler Rudolph, year number three for him now. He's still carrying that freshman status. Enzo Jennings, one of those Michigan players that Banks helped bring in. He, we didn't see him last year. He's he's a freshman status. To me, Rudolph Jennings, one of those guys you need to be right on. Um, and, and I guess that means 24-7 sports too because both were four-star uh, prospects coming into campus. Because I just I don't know about Jonathan Sutherland being that number one uh, first-team guy for you. I think there's a lot to like about his role on this roster, and he's proven that time and time again. Jair Brown still has plenty to prove. But whether it's depth or whether it's starting lineup, you love what you got coming back in Brisker. That was a huge, huge ability to retain him was huge for this defense. But to me, a lot of this, the crux of the issue is development of these guys you brought in to play safety because we've seen cornerbacks move to safety. We've seen junior college guys come in. That's kind of been a missing component, at least in my few years covering the team, is watching guys go from the 18-year-old safety prospect to the 21-year-old starter who really looks like he is the real deal as a first-team dude. Yeah, and, and I think if you look down this this depth chart or scholarship roster, what have you, there's there's questions everywhere. I mean, Brisker, I, I think going to be really good next year, but beyond that, you know, who, who you pair with him, it has a say in how he performs next year. So is that guy is that guy going to be Brown? I mean, Brown's a little bit older, but you know, as, as he showed this year, that's a big jump to make from Lackawanna from any junior college. Uh, Sutherland is, is a floor guy. I mean, I I, I think he does several things well, but I don't know that he does anything great. And that can certainly hold you back. Rudolph and Jennings, very, very much unknowns at this point. Now, you know, the freshmen, I don't know that they're going to be ready to go. Jalen Reed, I think, is going to take some time. He's mostly a, a, a guy that has played in the box role, sort of a sort of a glorified linebacker at times. Zaki Wheatley, I don't know what to expect from him. It's been so long since we've seen anything from him. Yeah. Great uh, athletic base, great size, great ball skills and things like that. They're very excited about him. But, you know, how far has he come in the in the time that he hasn't played football? That's a that's still a big question there. So do you make a position change? Keaton Ellis is a guy that we've talked we've highlighted in that spot. So um it'll be interesting to see how they go about this because you're right. I mean, y- usually you think, okay, we're just gonna you know, shove this guy right into the starting role. Everything's gonna gonna go on. It's gonna be some sort of an assembly line. Hasn't been the case. We know they're still looking in the portal for a potential safety as well. So there's plenty of questions at that safety spot, and that that's, that would have been the case had even even if Tim Banks were still coaching the position. James Franklin referencing defensive back the last time we had him in a media session three or four weeks ago as a as a remaining priority. They've already added a cornerback in Johnny Dixon. Maybe you get a cornerback to play safety. We've seen it play out to, to mixed results the last couple of years. Kind of an unfair situation overall for Trent Gordon to try to undergo that because of what 2020 was. And now he's off to Arkansas. Uh, but it's certainly something to watch. And, and if a cornerback, it's a very talented cornerback room where at least you have a lot of experience and guys seeing those live bullets in Big Ten play. If it was someone like Keaton Ellis and that happened before spring camp, uh, I could see someone ascending pretty quickly upon that transition in that safeties room based on what we know and what we don't know. And one other thing to add on those two freshmen, Wheatley, Reed, they're not getting to campus until after the spring. They were not part of that early enrollee group. So they're going to be late to the party with this position coach. And assuming they get these 15 spring practices in on campus, they're going to be 15 practices behind everybody else and trying to impress whoever this safeties coach is. And of course, Brent Pry, James Franklin will be keeping a close eye on the situation as well. Uh, do we have anything else to add on, on this coaching move? I, I know you, you've been working on it from from some text uh, content that, that we're going to get up on the site soon, but anything else to throw in uh, for the podcast? Not really. Uh, happy for Tim Banks, certainly. Um, you know, it gives them a sh- an opportunity to sort of uh, figure out what they're going to do. Like I said, the DMV, I think, is a very important uh, spot for Penn State. And that's not just, you know, saying that they're going to go in there and run things or anything like that. But, you know, y- you're a you're a program that's very prominent in that region. You have to be, uh, you know, hey, you have to have a coach that's recognized and trusted in that area. And that's uh, certainly, you know, you look at the, the successful programs around here, especially uh, what Penn State's done in the past in that area. I think it's a very, very important, uh, not underrated whatsoever aspect of, of making this new hire. So I'm excited to see which direction they go. And I think that, you know, I think there's probably a, some some good possibilities out there. With Tim Banks leaving the Valley, 
that leaves beyond the original uh, members of the staff and Terry Smith and Brent Pry. Jaywan Sider, uh, now the longest tenured position coach at Penn State beyond those two original staff hires. And that's pretty remarkable, but that's how college football works. That's and college football yeah, these that's days. That's exactly I mean, it what happens. it is. Yeah. Yep. Um, we'll come back with some recruiting conversation, a couple of things to get to in the 2022 cycle, and some mailbag talk as well. Stay with us right here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, turning our attention from the Tim Banks coaching move and the ongoing search for his replacement, uh, we get into some recruiting talk here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Uh, We recently spent some significant time talking about the new quarterback targets. Four offers went out in a 10-day span. Um, One of them actually already made a decision, Malik Murphy committing uh, to the Texas Longhorns, so cross him off the list if you were even planning on writing him on that list. And By the way, Sean has something up on Nick Evers, another quarterback out of Texas, who picked up an offer about his relationship and a chance to check out Penn State virtually. That's up on Lions 24-7. But here we're going to talk running backs. Sean, there's a bunch of names to sort through here. I wrote about this right after signing day earlier in the month. You didn't come away with a high school running back in your 2021 recruiting class. That became the expected outcome once we got past December. You've got John Lovett, who's going to be a one-and-done player with your program as a senior coming from the Baylor Bears. That means there's got to be some serious emphasis at running back in the 2022 cycle. There is a serious emphasis there, and I think it's a good spot. Um, you know, we we talked about Deshaun Morrell in the 2021 class. I mean, if you're if you're ta- if you're confident in Deshaun Morrell being a stud, you know, you obviously you certainly want to land him. But not the worst thing in the world to miss out on a, a player at that position, especially when you can go to the portal, get an experienced guy, get him in for one year, and then move on with the rest of your your scholarship roster. So, uh, you know, in terms of hits, that's certainly you know Penn State took plenty of them in the 2021 cycle. That's probably lower on the list. So, uh, gives you an opportunity to get, uh, you know, just to get that out there that we didn't take one in 2021. So, now we're looking to to fill that with two big time backs in 2022. And I think that's something that can resonate um, with prospects in, in the next cycle. They've been on some guys for a long time. They've been on some, you know, some recent offers here um, as they continue to evaluate and continue to get out there. This is a big net. I mean, uh, Jay Sider always casts a big net and usually, you know, he's been able to go to, to other parts of the country. And, and bring backs in, which is something that you can't do at every position. But given the nature of the running back position, these guys want to get carries. These guys want to play early. Now you kind of check that box with guys that can play early with not taking one in 2021. And then, you know, on top of that, Penn State's got to, got a lot to offer for running backs, um, you know, certainly throughout their, their tradition. So you've got some familiar names, guys like Nick Singleton um, in Pennsylvania. This is a guy that they've prioritized for a long, long time. Uh, I think Penn State and Ohio State, the top two here. Um, Notre Dame's in there. Some other schools are in there as well. Um, but you know, this is one that's that's going to be a battle right at the top. You know, Ohio State wants him, which you know, some you say what you want about offer lists right now. Not always the case when you go head to head with a with a program like Ohio State, but they seem to want him right now. So that certainly says uh, a lot about him as a prospect. And Penn State's, like I said, been on him for a long, long time. Uh, that's that. I think that those are the two schools that it's going to come down to. Uh, don't 
don't know that I would lean either way strongly at this point because, you know, chips are other, uh, you know, chips will fall elsewhere. Other players will move up and down boards. Crazy things like that happen. Ryan Doan had an update on a Marion Hampton from North Carolina. is a kid that I like a lot. Um, you know, bigger back, uh, strong guy. Uh, he's a guy that can really take off uh, throughout the recruiting process. I think we have him either just outside the top 100 or, or somewhere around there. Um, but there's a guy that wants to check out Penn State. Jay Sider has been on him for a long, long time. Um, and I think that that's uh, certainly one when he's able to visit schools. Penn State will definitely be on that list. A couple guys in in Virginia, George Petaway and Ramon Brown. Petaway is interesting because um, very high on Penn State up there with uh, North Carolina, with Alabama. The, the dynamic there is North Carolina's uh, running backs coach is now the running backs coach or former running backs coach is now the running backs coach at Alabama. So I would tend to, I know the crystal ball says North Carolina, but I would probably tend to favor Alabama in this situation. But as we said with Ohio State, at this position, you know, th- these are schools taking the top, top guys. Is George Petaway a top, top guy for Alabama? We shall see. It's hard to say. Penn State wants to get him up, obviously. Ramon Brown, the uh, cider has been in touch with him for a long time um, and wants to get up. And that's a problem with this position right now. Nick Singleton has been on campus before. Um, uh, looking down the list, I mean, Tevin White has been on campus before from Virginia, but, you know, not the highest guy on the board. Other than that, uh, because you're recruiting so nationally, because you've cast that net so wide, guys really haven't uh, had a chance to get out here and check out campus. Yeah, and and so that you do wonder how that factors in. The longer we go without seeing those visits take place and camp assessments and everything, we we talked about that at length last episode, I believe. But Tevin White, perfect example, of a guy that you offered early, uh, same high school backfield as, as Devin Ford, who's been on campus now for a few years. A guy who, you know, very high on Penn State uh, right off the bat when he got that offer. But as things progress, where does he land on that board? How do you prioritize it? And how do you factor in? Well, he's got a familiarity with campus versus a guy that we might like better who has never been to campus and, and maybe doesn't have as good of a feel for the coaching staff, for the locker room. Um, Ohio State, by the way, if you know, let's say you're going head to head with them for Nick Singleton, uh, who's just, you know, Three consecutive 1,300-plus yard seasons, and that includes a shortened 2020 campaign as a junior. Kid who's just been so productive at Governor Mifflin. Ohio State signed two top 100 overall prospects at their running back position in the 2021 cycle. Uh, Two guys that Penn State fans had been hearing about early in that cycle. Travion Henderson out of Virginia, and then Evan Pryor out of North Carolina, who has has a sister uh, at Penn State as a student. So those are names that were familiar. Now they're, you know, there's a bit of a counterbalance there. They're two really impressive freshmen for the Buckeyes, whereas you've got Penn State. John Lovett's going to be gone by the time anybody from this class will get to campus. You've got some kids who retain red shirt, uh, freshman status in Kevon Lee and Keziah Holmes because of the NCAA eligibility structure, but you're not following guys right to campus. So there's some breathing room. I, I think you said that's something that, that you can sell if you're J1 Sider. The brand, obviously, at Penn State, you know, there's there's programs that can match up with it. But to be able to say consecutive years, your running back product had the most all most all purpose yards out of any NFL rookie. You did that with Miles Sanders and Saquon Barkley. That's a nice thing to point to in very recent history. I know Penn State has a proud history at running back. But when you're dealing with 16, 17 year olds right now, uh, you know, keep it within that three, four year range and, and keep their attention. And Penn State's in a really good spot with that because of what Miles Sanders and Saquon Barkley have done. And I think, Sean, when when, when you look at this room right now, um, transfers are going to play a role potentially. Not not really maybe in the near future, but by the time you get through this 2020 season or 2021 season, where does everybody see themselves situated? Where do they see their potential at Penn State in this backfield? Whether it's Kevon Lee, Keziah Holmes, Devin Ford, Noah Kane. Kane's a really interesting one to me because if he can get right, get healthy, and put together a, a full body of work, during the season, I know the sample size has been limited to this point through two years on campus, but he's somebody who could make that leap and and, and be convinced that it's the, the right time to go off to the NFL. It, it just takes one year at running back. We've seen, you know, we were somewhat surprised that Journey Brown stuck around after his redshirt sophomore year. When going into that year, he was you know a third, fourth string guy that we that we kind of viewed that pecking order as. So. It's going to take a lot for a Devin Ford or a Noah Kane to put themselves in a position where they can comfortably declare for the NFL draft after this third third year sophomore season for them. But 
at the running back spot, you can't rule that out. So you could see these numbers dwindle even further. Um, and, and I think that the thing here is just coming off of, of last year, the way Devin Ford was you know, on the sidelines for the end of the year, saw a lot of Kevon Lee, saw a lot of Keziah Holmes. What do they have in store for this spring? Because either one of those guys, I think, is still they showed nice things, but they've got still a lot more to prove to J. Juan Sider. And, and he said it to us before, fundamentally, there was a lot of catching up to do with that group, maybe than any other freshman group that he had worked with. Yeah, the fundamentals is a huge thing for them because you're looking at a guy like Kaziah Holmes that you want to sort of build up a little bit more, get stronger, keep that speed. With a guy like Kevon Lee is kind of the opposite. You may want to strip him down a little bit, get him a little faster. Um, so the, the full off season is just, you know, just not having that last year. And I know Kaziah Holmes was a, was an early enrollee. I mean, you look back what, what he did when he got here in January and February, he was all the buzz. And then all of a sudden he goes home and it's just not the same. You can't duplicate what you're trying to do at a college weight program at home. He comes back and all of a sudden, you know, he, he looks like, or not looks like, but he is that, that, skinny freshman that you kind of expected him to be when he got to school. So, you know, two steps forward, couple steps back, what, you know, what have you. Kevon Lee, of course, showed up late, later than the rest of his classmates. Very high floor on that one. And, and it took a while for him to get to, to get going. Um, you know, going back to what you said, I, I, I actually agree with you about Noah Kane. I mean, this has been his mindset to be three and out for a few years. He's got to prove that he can stay healthy and be productive when in, in the process. Ford, I think, is kind of on the other end of the spectrum. He needs to be productive and, um, you know, he's, you're looking more, uh, for him. And I hate to say say it so bluntly, but you're looking more at Kane for the draft and and Ford for the portal. If you're looking at which end of the spectrum uh, you could see those guys going, so it'd be really interesting to see how Lovett fits in as well. Um, of course, he's a guy that's sort of a mesh of of, of the talent, uh, you know, the skill sets that they've had uh, that they have in that room. So it's just going to be really interesting. Of course, not going to see Kane this spring, so you've got sort of a two and two situation where you can you know work uh, work Ford and Holmes and Lee and love it and you know see what you can get out of it of course all these guys are going to have to learn the new offense and learn what uh learn learn how they fit into the picture and probably learn some new blocking scheme or protection schemes and things like that so there's a lot of learning involved for the last or for the next couple of months for these guys especially those young guys as they you know sort of um, try to sharpen themselves both mentally and physically. The, the older guys probably a little bit more ready physically, um, you know, as we've seen in the last couple of years. And bringing it back to this 2022 cycle, we know John Lovett will be, not be part of the equation in 2022. And I, I just think odds are in favor of the way college football works, the way the running back position works, the way the NFL can tempt you, the way the portal can tempt you. I just don't see the other four names that we just discussed all being retained on this roster and, and sticking around campus into 2022. I don't know who the odd man out will be. We've been surprised by this backfield and the way it's developed at different stages with J1 Sider leading the charge. We've seen rotations implemented. I, I don't know what it's going to be, but I think that number will come down. And that brings me back to 2022. There's a two-man recruiting class at running back, something we saw them do with Devin Ford and, and Noah Kane, with Keziah Holmes and Kevon Lee. Should we anticipate that after a gap year of, of being the case once again? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, you've got uh, an opportunity where it's kind of wide open, and we've seen that position is so different than than anything else. You know, you've you've got guys that will stick around for a couple of years. You got guys that if they're not getting carries as a freshman, will will hit the road. So, I mean, it's it's such a I don't want to call it a volatile position, but it's kind of like quarterback in the sense that, you know, you can, you can sort of be all over the place and, and, you know, guys will come in with, with high accolades and have to sit. I mean, I mean, let's look at the 2019 season. You got, you know, Slade and Brown and those guys, and you've got the younger, um, you know, the younger guys that are sitting behind them and just kind of all over the place. And it's just, uh, that's kind of the nature of the position. If, if one guy gets hot, I mean, that might cut into carries for not necessarily the second guy, but the third or fourth guy down the list. And, you know, if, if, if you're hot and productive, you got to roll with it and worry about the ramifications later. So, yeah, I, I think taking two backs is is certainly the way to go in this one. Um, you can, you know, you look at those guys that we said earlier, but uh, I'm looking at a list right now that we've got. And I think there's what uh, – about 15, 16 guys on there. And that's not even all the offers that they have. I mean, Jaywan Sider 
uh, he talks a lot to recruits. I don't think people realize he keeps up contact with guys that they want, guys that they don't want, guys that he's recruiting uh, for as an area recruiter, guys that he's recruiting as running backs. He does a lot of recruiting. That's why he's been so successful at building those relationships. So you look at, you know, you look across the country and, you know, he's going to, He's going to be linked with Florida and guys like Katron Allen at, uh, at IMG and some other guys down there. But he's also in with a guy like Quinshawn Junkins down in Alabama, who's a teammate of uh, Trey Wallace, the wide receiver, Javante Barnes out in Las Vegas and just all over the map. So, um, they're putting in a lot of work. I think it'll pay off. Um, you know, I think that's a, it's an attractive, um, complete total package, uh, for Penn, or for a running back at Penn State. Be interested to see how this new offense sort of, uh, may play into that narrative, change that narrative, but I think it'll be a, a productive cycle once they can get these kids back on campus. So I, I think you look at this list and we'll do a little mini board here later that I've been working on for a couple of days and it just hasn't all come together yet because it's still reaching out to kids. But I think you see these guys pop up on official visits, not unlike uh, Akivon Lee did out of nowhere because Aya Holmes, you know, wasn't really on the radar at this time during his cycle. So I think you see these guys pop up as potential official visitors over the summer and that's sort of where things sort of uh, uh, you know, can take off as we've seen in the past, and that's when things took off with Noah Kane. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he got an offer toward the t- toward the second half of his junior year at IMG. Got the campus. Mom and dad got the campus that summer, and and all of a sudden the stage is set for him to have the you know, Penn State very much a contender. Devin Ford uh, a lot more of a long term deal. Uh, we'll see. And by the way, I think some of these states that are going to have spring seasons. At least that's the plan right now. I'm going to be really curious to see, uh, you know, how how that impacts the running back board uh, with, with some of these guys getting their shot to take over as as you know full time running backs. It's a spot where at the high school level, if you're in a good program, you know it, it it might be hard for you to be the bell cow running back through your sophomore year. These guys have been chomping at the bit for junior seasons. You're going to get it from some of them in the spring, and we'll see maybe how their performances or lack thereof maybe impact the way Penn State wants to assess this process. Um, staying in the 2022 class very quickly, Caden Saunders, uh, the initial commitment for Penn State in the 2022 cycle, a wide receiver out of uh, Westerville South High School in Ohio, uh, really close to Ohio State University, um, a kid whose name is buzzing on the field and off the field, Sean, coming out of that best in the mid- mid- Midwest combine that took place this past weekend. Uh, 24-7 sports was uh, was all over the action there. Steve Wolfong uh, particularly was, was giving us updates along the way on the board from Caden Saunders, ran a 4-3-1 40-yard dash on record there. Uh, we knew the kid was fast. That was one thing that was uh, verifiable about him even before the production on the field matched up with some of those. The testing numbers were always impressive. Worked a little bit at cornerback. And then you know you just kind of reminded as this kid ascends and, and he climbed into the top 100 overall uh, for the 24/7 sports rankings during his junior season. As he continues to ascend on the field and he continues to put together performances like this, and if there's more of a camp circuit nationwide, he'll continue to have that opportunity. You're going to see new offers come through. You're going to have people wanting to talk to him about other schools. And this is one where Penn State's going to have to continue to stay on it all the way into December. His dad put out something on social media. You know, hey, you, you like Penn State, but you you want to make sure you have backup options in case something goes wrong. And right now, his backup options are pretty impressive. Well, that's the reality of the cycle. I mean, you, you're looking at guys that have not been able to visit anywhere, and you, you're you're looking at guys that have locked down spots because of that. I'm not saying that that Saunders is certainly one of those guys, but you know, all over the country, this is going to happen where you're going to feel that you have pretty solid relationships and pretty solid commitments from guys, and all of a sudden, other schools want them. Hey, other schools, top schools want good players. Caden Saunders is a really good player, so um, you know, I think I'd be more worried if if other schools weren't talking to him at this point. Um, so. Um, but going from that, I mean, Notre Dame certainly been involved and going to continue to be involved. Um, you know, he's got uh, other schools that have sort of, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say smelled blood in the water, but when you see that that guys are open to talking to staffs, when you see that, that, that guys are, you know, potentially talking visits to other schools and things like that, well, you start circling, you start offering. We saw Texas A&M offered late this or earlier this week. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a situation that you're going to have to strap in for the 2022 class and not just with Saunders, but Penn State's got some really, really good commitments in this class. Um, that some of them have gotten a chance to visit schools. Some of them haven't. And it's going to certainly, you know, keep coming around. So I mean, I don't really have any um, 
update or advice, but to get ready for this cycle because it's going to be something that comes up, you know, not only uh, with Penn State commits, but commits all across the country that are going to have to say, okay, maybe I didn't do the research that I thought I did. Maybe I didn't get out and see as many schools as I wanted to. Hey, I still have time. It's time to jump in and, and take some, uh, you know, at least uh, weigh my options, looking to see what I, I've got. And we've already seen that with Holden Stays. We've already kind of seen that with Jerry Cross with other schools coming in after Tyler Bowen left. So it, it's going to be a reality of this cycle. You're going to have to deal with it. It's just uh, it's just part of the process and part of the 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 beautiful mess that we've created over the last year. And then as we extend the dead period, as we talked about last episode, it's going to get even more crazy. A couple cycles ago, we talked about you know James Franklin having difficult conversation with guys who were committed but wanted to visit elsewhere, whether it was official, unofficial. And, you know, that he, 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 if you're committed, you're not visiting anywhere. This is the year where I think Franklin and a lot of head coaches across college football are going to have to find a way to provide some leeway and understand that, you know, these are rising high school seniors now who haven't been able to visit any campus in an official capacity since their sophomore years of high school. And things have changed in a big way. Staff has changed. Their recruiting dynamics, their relationships have changed. And I think you've got to understand there's going to be an exploration phase that, that comes with the reopening of the recruiting world, which we hope is upcoming for, for everybody right now, but particularly for this 2022 class. And yeah, Caden Saunders is one that's going to require a fight. I, I think he has handled it very well. Uh, you know, We've had Caden Saunders here on the show. His father's out there on social media. Um, a lot of Penn State love from them throughout this process, uh, but also a, a realistic approach right now where... Now, there's other schools. It would be foolish to, to, to put them on mute right now and, and say thanks but no thanks and shut everything down outside of Penn State. Coaching staffs change. Again, dynamics dynamics evolve, and we've got a long way to get to December. So I think he's handled it very well. We'll see what happens when visits are a legitimate possibility. But he took it upon himself to travel from Ohio to, to Pennsylvania for some of these get-togethers uh, with members of the 2022 and 2021 class during the season where you know they gathered at, at a restaurant in State College, I think, to watch watch a game or two. So he's put in the mileage and he's a kid who has, has really been an ardent supporter of, of picking up different pledges. He, he was, he played a, you know, a pretty pivotal role in some of these additions because he was very vocal with guys uh, who have, you know, since joined the class or that they're targeting. So he's been an impressive peer recruiter. And, and I just think anyone out there who is frustrated by Caden Saunders, at least keeping his ears open and his eyes open. I think that's really underselling this young man. And, and also, you know, kind of the, the way he has uh, taken it upon himself to be a face of the franchise with this recruiting class, being commitment number one was important to him, and building it out since then has been important to him too. But these are the realities in play. Yeah, and if you're you're that guy saying, well, commitment means this and et cetera, I mean, that's just not the reality of the situation. I mean, I think even Penn State understands, and and they went through this with with the guys that committed. I mean, they they went through it the same way that they would do uh, last cycle, the cycle before, say, okay, you understand what commitment means. Uh, you know, we've we hoped that you've done your research. We hope that you've gotten everything together. Um, we, we don't want to take you if you're just going to open things up and, and do that, all that kind of crazy stuff down the line. And for the most part, these guys thought they were in that situation to uh, or, or thought they were ready in that situation to make a commitment now the reality of this is and the, and the Penn State staff knows this I mean these guys haven't been able to, to experience anything and I'm not saying I'm not talking about you know posting all the offers and beyond blessed and all that kind of stuff I mean actually physically seeing the schools that want you to to come accept a scholarship I and mean, that's a kind of a big deal here so um, I think that that's one thing to take into account is you you can't ignore the reality of this situation. And on top of that, as we sort of send you into a panic mode, Saunders had some really good things to say about Mike Yersich in the offense. So, you know, he's certainly on board with what they're trying to do. He's been that way for a long time. He's been one of the vocal recruiters for Penn State. It's just one of those things where, hey man, you gotta you gotta keep an eye out. And this is not this is not dating. This is not uh, buying a car or anything like that. You got to keep out the, uh, we said it with Eric Wilson, um, you know, on our last uh, episode, you got to look out for yourself. You got to do, you know, at least make sure your options are there. And that's kind of what we're seeing in this 2022 cycle. It's going to be probably one where you got to, you know, to white knuckle it a couple of times and, and hold on tight, but uh, it's just going to be the reality of the situation. And he clearly looks like the kid who's worth you know, white knuckling the process. If you have, he's to. good. Yeah, yeah. Play, yeah. Teams want good players. He's a really good player. This is this is something that's going to continue to come along, and it's going to continue to have to to track over the next couple of months because he's really good. 
Uh, well, well, we'll put a pin on it for for Caden Saunders for now. He's a guy that we'll be discussing certainly in the months to come, and and uh, you know hopefully we'll get get to have him back on the podcast event again eventually. But it's mailbag time, Sean, and, and we'll stick with one question here, um, and, and it's one that we'll probably turn in a different direction. Uh, do you expect any freshman who played with free eligibility in 2020 to end up redshirting in 2021? Uh, I think one. I think one of Kaziah Holmes or Kevon Lee would be a choice, or maybe tight end Tyler Warren. That that's not my words with the names. Those are the. That's how the question was phrased, and kind of the thoughts that they also provided toward the end. So you and I think both read this differently um, than it was asked. If you're playing in that last year or in the in 2020, then uh, you know I think that you're you're that close to playing. So Kaziah Holmes, Kevon Lee, I don't think are are possible. My dog says hello for some reason. Um, Tyler Warren, I don't think is that guy, especially when you look at the tight end room and they're going to look to to cycle those guys through and play those guys. Um, So no, where I look for a potential free red shirt year, if you will, um, guys along the lines. I mean, that's the thing. You don't always set out to quote unquote red shirt a guy. You don't always set out to say, okay, we're going to play you in, uh, you know, every game on, you know, it's, it's kind of something that, that comes together, you know, a month into the season or something like that we've seen with guys like Caden Wallace and Lance Dixon you know where you thought we're going to play but now all of a sudden you got to pull them back so I'm looking at the line I'm looking at guys like Bryce Mostello who certainly have time to develop uh, on the offensive line guys like Golden Achumba, uh Ibrahim Traore Jimmy Christ uh, Nick Dawkins I mean that's where you probably get the advantage with this is you get another year of development Penn State doesn't want six-year guys. So, I mean, all the way looking into 2025 or whatever it is, Penn State wants to have, um, you know, guys that are playing in four years and out, guys that graduate in three years, et cetera, et cetera. But you still can squeeze an extra year out of, uh, you know, one of these offensive line or a couple of these offensive linemen. You might just have the opportunity to do it because they're not coming in, playing on a ton of special teams, anything like that. I also look to the, the skill positions, a guy like Jaden Dotton, who may not be ready to, um, you know, contribute as a tr- uh, typical redshirt freshman still needs to add some weight get stronger and things like that maybe he's in the situation like that where he just doesn't make uh, crack the rotation just doesn't play so i think that's probably where you would see maybe the free red shirts although i i don't see a situation where penn state necessarily wants to have a guy you know on campus that long uh we saw it with some six-year guys this year so i think that's probably the most interesting dynamic of it but in terms of strategically redshirting these guys now nah, it's not it's not ncaa 14 or whatever um where you're pulling a guy back because you have another guy that can go in there that very very rarely happens and on this roster i, don't, I just don't see it playing out and on like video game characters these young men will react to you all of a sudden pulling them back off the field and sitting them for a, for a year or playing them very sparingly. And there's no one that comes to mind who we saw play extensively in the 2020 season or, or even toward the end play a bit that you'd think they're all of a sudden going to get, you know, injuries uh, get, aside, get sequestered. Yes, no injuries doubt. and injuries are always, but it's not going to be Curtis Jacob. It's not going to be those tight ends, uh, Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren. It's not going to be the running backs, as you said, and as we talked about earlier here on the episode, um, it's not going to be the wide receivers. You have two starters out of that group who played extensively. Um, you know, so th- there's some spots here where, where I, I, I look and, and the, the way I read it initially was kind of who's going to get the double fret red shirt experience. But as you said, you don't really want a lot of 24, 25 year olds, uh, you know, sticking on your roster. Um, so it'll be something to assess. I think certainly on the offensive line, as you said, um, you know, but, uh, I, no one comes to mind, uh, certainly off the cuff. And, and I think Tyler Warren, who was mentioned there, I, I will see what he does this spring, but based on what we heard about his progression year one, as a guy who didn't get to campus early and as a guy who was transitioning to play tight end from a high school quarterback and coming off of baseball season, I think he's got a chance to maybe go and surpass even a Zach Koontz on that depth chart. I mean, we'll see. Zach Koontz has a lot to prove. He's in year four. But I think Tyler Warren could be right there in the conversation at tight end behind Brent Strange and Theo Johnson. And um, so even him, where where I think people could – we call them kind of a high-ceiling guy, bit of a a project at tight end. Even him doesn't stand out to me as someone who you're going to see get pulled back uh, off of the 2020 experience. So – uh, yeah, I got I got no definitive answer here, and it doesn't sound like you do either. We're 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 of the same mind on this one. Yeah, the only way that I could see that is is a situation that I don't see playing out, where if they took a Tyler Warren and said, "Okay, we're going to make you into an offensive tackle, you're going to spend the year 
redshirting building up. And that's uh, certainly not something that I expect to happen, especially with you look at the 2022, 2023 depth charts at that position. And, and Tyler Warren, I think, fits into that, that what they're trying to do at tight end. Um, but yeah, I go back to that. I go back to the guys on the, on the offensive and defensive line, the raw guys that you're bringing in, like a Mustella, like a Traore that, you know, maybe just need that extra time. And I mean, let's be honest. It's it's not like you're going to say, okay, we're going to go in and uh, just not play this guy. If it works out that way and, and he's not in your plans to play for more than four games in 2021, okay, he's a red shirt. But I don't think it. I don't think it's uh, you know that big of a deal. And and retaining Rasheed Walker, bringing in Eric Wilson out of uh, from Harvard, who you heard from last episode, those things kind of fortify your offensive line a bit here, um, and and maybe create some wiggle room to get that extra year of development for some of these younger players. Uh, but you know, we'll keep tabs on this 2020 class. Certainly, a group that got shortchanged in a lot of ways with their first year on campus because of the early enrollees not getting any spring practices, because of these guys getting a stop and start preseason uh, camp and no non conference game to maybe get their feet wet a bit early in the season. Didn't have that bowl experience in, in the, the weeks that preceded where there's those extra practices. So there's a reason they're freshmen again, right? Uh, and, and, and the NCAA has kind of done right by them. And now Penn State gets a better chance to review that group. That's going to do it for this episode, Sean. I think, well, you know, hit on Tim Banks, hit on some of the 2022 recruiting talk we wanted to get to. Anything else to add? It sounds like the dog is, is ready for us to wrap up. Well, it's a little shorter than our typical episode. Yeah, we, we recorded this on Tuesday. The kids are home. The dog's home. The wife is teaching a class downstairs. It's uh, it's a lot going on right now. So we appreciate uh, – we won't know it until post-production how much of that made it onto the track. But hopefully it wasn't too much and it didn't uh, detract from your listening enjoyment. So uh, thanks for thanks for following along and uh, dealing with the crazy that's on this end. So we, we and, then, and that's meant for you, Tyler, and that's meant for our audience as well. Well, drop your five-star mailbag question on Apple Podcasts with your five-star rating and review. We will get to it eventually. We will feature it on the show. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And check out all of our great VIP content coming your way up on lines247.com. Until later this week, we'll talk to you real soon. Sean Fitz, Tyler Donahue. This is the Lions 24-7 Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.